Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. I've got a challenge to try to preach the whole chapter 14 of Luke. And I am up to the challenge. I am. I've been studying Luke, and so here I am, and here we are. I believe this is a word that God has given me to give you today. Now, since 2017, we have laid a foundation here at Remnant Church. 17 is not when I became the pastor here, but it's when I really begin to preach and lay a foundation of God's grace. Now, I understand uh, that lately I've been preaching some hard messages. Uh, that series, Cancel Culture, was uh, abrasive maybe, sharp maybe, uh, in your face maybe, uh, maybe all of the above. Maybe some of you liked it, maybe some of you didn't. That matters not to me at all. Um, but it probably really has to do with where you're at in the Lord, whether or not you liked it or not. Because I ultimately, it may be hard to swallow, but I like what this word does for me. Sometimes it's hard to chew, but I like the results that it brings. Come on, somebody say amen. And so with all that being said, we laid the foundation of grace so that when you receive something hard, like Jesus said, to Peter when he said, told the crowd, he said, I want you to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And they, the crowd said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand this? And they begin to leave. But Peter said, uh, or Jesus asked Peter, where are you going to go? You're going to go with the crowd? You're going to leave me too? And Peter said, where will I go? Where else? Where, where do I have to go? You have the words of eternal life. So understanding grace is going to help you chew on these challenging thoughts. Because see, grace is not just the power of God to salvation. It teaches us to live righteously and soberly in this present world now. So when you receive, you hear something challenging today or last week or the week before, you don't say, oh God, I can't do this. You say, wow, God, you have given me the grace to live this. Listen to me real quick. You can live like the Bible tells you to live. Let me try that again. You can live like the Bible tells us we can live. Amen? It, oops, okay. If you want to. If you want to. The Methodist church had this pastor in the 1800s. It was a little different than it is now. They were circuit riders. They'd get on a horse and they'd go. And they had this area that they covered. And they'd go to church from church and they would preach. Well, there was this Methodist pastor by the name of Peter Cartwright. And he was an abrasive, sharp, um, challenging strong preacher of the gospel. And that's what he was known for. He did not mince words about being born again. 
And he would just tell people like it is, kind of like Jesus would. Oh, we'll get there in just a minute. And he goes and he's going to these churches and he really, if there's a hall of fame for preachers, um, not soon after he died or soon after he died, he would be inducted in the hall of fame if there was such a thing because he'd done a great work for God. People loved to hear his preaching. People hated to hear his preaching. Um, one day he was at, at this church. He was getting ready to preach and his handlers or whoever whatever you want to call them, they, people that tell, told him, you know, things I guess he should know. They said, hey, uh, Reverend Cartwright, President Andrew Jackson is going to be in church today. We just thought you would like to know. And he said, okay, well, great. And he, they said, well, we thought maybe you would like to tone it down just a little bit. He's noted Thank you. He walked out after the music. He came to preach, stood before the people. And he said, I hear that Andrew Jackson is here today. And that is great. But if Andrew Jackson doesn't repent and be born again, even Andrew Jackson will die and go to hell. Yep. Luke chapter 14. Jesus is invited to a dinner. There's five groups of people. Now, I love this. I, there's a lot of things I could have took out and broke down, and, but I'm just going to, we're going to swallow it whole today. Jesus is invited to a dinner, and he talks to five groups of people. You can write this down if you want to. If you don't, it's fine with me. But these are the five groups he talks to. First, he addresses, he's going to address the Pharisees who were watching him. Then he's going to address the guests that were surrounding him. Then he's going to talk to the host that invited him. Then there's a man who interrupts him. He's going to address him. And then there's a crowd that is outside the house cheering him on and he's going to address them. And now I don't know about you because you're a, long, you're a lot further along than I am, but I found myself in each group of people. So they've invited Jesus to dinner. I often thought, man, wouldn't it be great to have Jesus come to the house? After reading this chapter, I don't think that would be such a good idea. They invite Jesus over to dinner. Now, let's read together. On the Sabbath, when he went in to eat, this was the day of rest, at the house of one of the leading Pharisees, this is a religious leader, they were watching him closely. There in front of him was a man whose body was swollen with fluid. Now, this man could have had congestive heart failure. This man could have had some kind of something uh, some kind of serious issue was going on with him. His body was holding fluid. You ever seen someone like that? This man was swollen. Now, in the King James Version, it calls it, I think, dropsy. But basically, it's, it's fluid gathering in the body without getting rid of it. Edema, uh, swelling, 
due to fluid. His face was swollen. All the parts of his body were swollen. And he was invited to be here. In response, Jesus asked the law and experts and the Pharisees, is it lawful, now listen, to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they kept silent. But he took the man, healed him, and sent him away. And to them he said, which of you whose son or ox falls into a well will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? They could find no answer to these things. So here we go. The dinner starts. Jesus sits down. He's lying. Don't think of your dinner table because that's not how they done things. The table was low and they would kneel at the table, lie down kind of around the table and eat. That's the custom of that day. And they're sitting at a table. They're lying around a low table. The Pharisees are there, religious leaders, and they have invited Jesus. Now, they don't like Jesus, but they invited Jesus. They were curious. They, 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 they wanted to see what he was all about. And in an effort to trap him, because, see, there was laws that were given, these, these religious laws, these Jewish laws that said, you can't do anything on the Sabbath. You can't work. You can't do anything. They're very legalistic about it. So they bring in this man, not because they care about him. They bring in this sick man to see what Jesus will do. Would Jesus heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus knows that. See, what I like about the Bible, in many instances, the Bible says Jesus answered them, but they never ask a question. <laughs> I like that. Because Jesus and you need to understand, Jesus, knows, I hear people all the time say, well, I can't do this and I can't do that or I can't, whatever. Make an excuse and they say, but God knows my heart and he does. And that ought to be a sobering thought to you that God knows your heart. And he'll answer you before you ever ask a question. And before they ever ask a question, the Bible says, and he answered them. He took the man, laid hands on him, and healed him. What we learn from this first encounter as Jesus addresses the Pharisees who were watching him, Jesus makes a statement. Now, now understand this, God never broke the, the law. He never broke the law of God, but he tore down the traditions of man. And he asked the question, he says, what if you're, you want to see if I'm going to heal this man, if I'm going to work on the Sabbath, if I'm going to heal him on the Sabbath, but what if your animal fell in a well or your son fell in a well, would you not save him on the Sabbath? Oh, they knew the answer to that. The answer was, of course we would. God is saying this, well, then what about this man who is greater than an animal, who is sick? Would, is, it not, is it not okay for me to heal him? What Jesus was saying, forget your legalism, forget your rules, forget your regulations. Love is what rules in the kingdom of God. They didn't care about that man. They, they just wanted to use that man as a pawn. These religious leaders didn't care about him getting a healing. But Jesus, 
Jesus said, love is what rules in the kingdom of God. You see, it's the love of God that'll stop a man dead in, in his tracks. It's the love of God that makes a difference. What the world needs and what this, it's been called a sin-sick, lost world. You know what they need? They don't need more rules, more regulations. They don't need more five steps to, to step in order to join the church. That's not what they need. They need the love of God. Now, I'm going to preach to myself this morning, or I'm going to preach to my wife, or somebody who's going to say amen this morning. I'm going to preach to somebody who knows what I'm talking about. Listen, I want this church to be a place where the love of God rules and reigns. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, or how long you have been there. I know a man who can save your soul, change your life, and put you on a road to success. The love of God. Now, I, I heard a story. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is true. We're going to act like it is. There was a man in North Florida, and he read in a magazine. Now, he read what he wanted to read, I'm sure. But he read in a magazine that studies had linked men who go out and cut grass in the heat of the summer they linked men in their, it was in their 40s, that go out in the heat of the summer to cut grass. They've linked that to heart attacks. Well, this man was worried because he had to go cut his grass. <laughs> so he told us, got his family together for a family meeting. And he said, listen, I just read where men my age, if they go out and cut grass in the heat of the summer, they may die of a heart attack. And he said, I just, I was planning to cut grass today. I just, I'm not going to be able to do it. He looks at his son, his 16-year-old son, and says, son, he said, I'm, I'm going to need you to cut grass for me today. And the son said, oh, no, that's no problem, pops, anything for you. The man just in, in amazement, grabbed his chest. A sharp pain went through, the back, through his back. He took a gasp of breath and fell over and had a heart attack. <laughs> the love of God will stop you dead in your tracks. He was, do I need to explain? <laughs> it kind of takes away from the joke if I explain it. Anyway, and that's what the world needs is the love of God. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, they will know that you're my followers because of the love that you have for each other. Jesus talks, first addresses. Now, I get a kick out of this because here Jesus is invited to this party and he starts busting people out. So the first person he busts out, or people, are these Pharisees who are watching him, but he is not through. Now we're going to go all the way through chapter 14, so I better hurry. Verse 7, are you ready? He told a parable to those who were invited. So he's talked to the Pharisees, now he's talking to the people who are at the table with him. And he noticed how they chose the best places for themselves. 
When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, don't recline at the best place, Jesus told them, because a more distinguished person than you may have been invited by your host. The one who invited both of you may come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then, in humiliation, you will proceed to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and recline in the lowest place. So that when the one who invited you comes, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. You will then be honored in the presence of all the other guests. What is he talking about? The next verse tells us, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Yeah, Jesus is just busting these folks out to a party that he's been invited to. He first tells the people watching him, you don't love, you don't love people. You love your traditions. Then he looks at the people sitting around and he says, and all you care about is being number one. You are self-centered. You care about promoting yourself. Now listen, this isn't about manners as much as it is about lifestyle. Hear me, if you manipulate people to get to the top, get ready because you are going to come crashing down. If you manipulate your way, and let me tell you something, you can even have, do good things and do them for the wrong reasons. Now, that's what we talked about last week. And God is a discerner of our motives. See, a lot of us get pats on the backs for good things we do. Oh, you're so good. Some of y'all, y'all think, y'all think I'm good and I do good things. Let me tell you something. Sometimes I do good things for the right reasons. And sometimes I do good things for the wrong reasons. Now, I'll be honest. You don't have to be today. But that's just the truth. But God is going to look at why I done what I done. He's going to examine everything I done. And if I done it to get a reward on earth, that's the only reward I'm going to get. And that reward will fade away. But I'm not looking for a reward on this earth. I'm looking for a reward in heaven. Let me tell you something. What we're talking here, talking about here, is coming, come, coming humbly before God's throne. Not only should we do this in our lives. See, the Bible says that the last shall be first and the first shall be last in the kingdom of God. But not only should we do this in the way we live our life, but we should do this in the way we come to God. I come to God on my knees, humble, not deserving access, but having full access to God. He tells the guest, you need not to try to exalt yourself, not try to be the important one, but humble yourselves. yourselves. You, know, you know, we live in a dog-eat-dog -dog world. 
But I'm telling you, if you'll humble yourselves. You know, there's nothing easy about being a Christian. Some of y'all wouldn't know. But there is nothing easy about being a Christian. You tell me what's easy about turning your cheek when the other one's been slapped. You tell me what part is easy when you deny yourself. Instead of making things right, trying to straighten everything out and vindicate your name, you stay silent. You tell me what's easy about that. Some of you don't know. You get on Facebook, it's give you a, an exit, a, not an exit, a outlet. <laughs> to speak your mind, baby. When God's saying, shut your mouth. You tell me. What's easy about humility? It's not easy. It's a dying to self. He tells these people who are around him, you're sitting in the wrong seat. You who have promoted yourselves, man will demote you. But if God promotes you, man cannot demote you. Man cannot pull. I don't want to be exalted by man. I want to be exalted by God. Because when God lifts me up, not a situation, not a person, whether you like me today or you don't like me tomorrow. It doesn't matter to me because God has lifted me up. God has given me favor. God has called me by name. And let me tell you something. If you are built up by the praises of men, you'll be torn down by the critics of men because the very ones that are cheering your name, ask Jesus. They said, Jesus, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A couple days later, crucify him. You cannot let men build you up. If a man pats you on the back and says, done a good job, you let it roll right off your back. Because that same person will tell you how sorry you are if you ain't careful, even if you are careful. But I humble myself. You know, I love you, but I don't put a lot of stock in you. And you shouldn't put a lot of stock in me. Because at the end of the day, we're human. And we fall in temptation. We do things that are ignorant. We say things that are ignorant. We act selfishly. And when I put my confidence in you, I set myself up for failure. But what I have to do is put my confidence in God's grace and see you as a work in progress. And it would do you a great benefit if you would treat me the same way. Let me serve notice. I am still a work in progress. I am under construction. Don't you set me up on a pedestal because it's a long ways to fall and I will fall. 
There will be a time I don't show up how you wanted me to show up, say what you wanted me to say, and I am not a mind reader and don't claim to be. I'm not Jesus, I'm not Paul, I'm Caleb Lancaster. I was raised on Turnish Road, Jamestown. You know where that's at? Exactly. That's where I was raised. That's the family I come from. I'm a Lancaster. Ever heard of them? There ain't but three of them when they had a phone book in the phone book. Do you see? I don't come from wealth. I don't come from anything special, but I have been saved by God's grace. And I'm trying every day to do what God tells me to do. And if you'd look at people like that, friend, you'd have more joy and peace in your life. Now let's continue. I told you I got the whole chapter. So he talks to those watching him. He addresses those who are sitting with him. And now Jesus is Now he addresses the man who invited him. Can you imagine? You invite somebody to your house and Jesus starts busting everybody in your, you invited him and now he starts talking about, well, let me tell you about y'all sitting at this table. And then he, he said, let me tell you about why you brought this sick man to here. Now he's saying, and let me talk to you. You who invited me. Verse 12, he also said to the one who had invited him, when you give lunch or a dinner, next, in other words, next time, when you invite somebody over, don't just invite your friends. <laughs> I can see this in my mind, like, a, like it playing out. Can y'all see it? Don't invite your friends, just your brothers and your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors because they might invite you back and you would be repaid. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, listen, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind, and you will be blessed. Are you listening to the words of life here? And you will be blessed because they can't repay you but you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, I love, now you know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like this church. Bring the lost and the hurting and the broken, right? And y'all like that. You like the fact well, uh, that we got black people coming to our church. You love that. Woo, that makes you feel woke or whatever. I don't know. You know, or whatever. I don't know what it makes you feel. But you like it. it Look, kind of like heaven. You got some, we got some Hispanic people. People speak Spanish. You like that? We got some people that are poor. We got some people that got a lot of money. We got, we got a mixture of everything. You like that. Woo! That makes you feel good. You like to tell people, hey, we're a church for everybody. But wait just a minute. You want your church to be like that, but you don't want your home to be like that. You want to put all the pressure on me? Hey, you ought to let, I, I've never seen how, and I'm not mad, but we got some of the greatest pastors in this church that ain't never pastored a day in their life. Well, that felt good. Some of the greatest carpenters ain't never drove a nail. Some of the greatest mechanics 
ain't never changed the oil. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about, Dr. Carson's. Some of the greatest doctors ain't never had to go to medical school. They don't know how to read an x-ray, but they know what's wrong with them. Why? Because they went on Google and they found out what was wrong with them, right? Don't do that, by the way. Pastor, we want to be that church. Yeah, we want to be that church. But let me tell you something. We will never be that church until that becomes your home. Until you're welcoming the blind, the lame, the maimed, what? The broken and the hurting. The, oh, that is this church. It will be this, that, this, this will be that kind of church. Mark it down. But I want to take you higher, and I want you to go further, and I want to know, will that be your kind of home? You say, well, I don't know. It is. Well, let me tell you, that, that's interesting. And I'm, and... No. You say that's what you are. That's who you are. But what if your white son married a black lady? Or your black daughter, Mary, wanted to have a relationship. What did I say? A black with a white boy. What if they wanted to hang out with the Hispanics? What if they brought them to your house? See, talk's cheap. I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to tell you the truth. You can do with it what you like, but there's no scripture that backs up any type of racism, any type of prejudice, any type of exalting one while tearing down another. There is no place. And I want to be like Jesus I want you to be like Jesus, and I want this church to be like Jesus. And the only way that's going to happen is if we live as Jesus tells us to live. Jesus bust out the host who invited him. And he told him, he said, until you start inviting all these People, the marginalized, the broken, and the hurting. Until you do that, you will not be blessed. Because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, I never, I, I, I heard this. And I've seen this. But I've never seen it. I ne now people get a little more open with me that have been here a while. Not everybody. Don't get too open with me. I don't. <laughs> but they'll say things like, my family don't want to have anything to do with me now because I go to Remnant Church. 
What? As if we're a cold or something. I don't know. Let me tell you, the first person who's going to, if this becomes a cult, the first person who's going to leave is me. <laughs> Hispanics have told me that I started coming to church and my family disowned me. See, you live, you don't live that. See, you get your panties in a wad if they don't sing the right songs. If things don't go just the way you want them to. But what about if you had to make a choice to serve the Lord or serve your family? To either love God or love your family. There's nothing about being a Christian that's easy. Jesus bust out the Pharisees who were watching him, the guests that were sitting with him, the host that invited him. And now watch this. Jesus is saying these hard things about inviting the broken and the hurting. And then this man interrupts him, verse 15. Are you there? When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. In other words, this man was saying, Okay, let's change the subject. We're all going to heaven one day. That's what he's saying. We're all going to go to heaven one day anyway, though. I know, Jesus, you're busting out all these people. Shh. You know you were invited. Trying to change the atmosphere. Shift conversation and say, hey, can't, hey, aren't y'all ready? One day, oh, we're going to be eating bread at the kingdom. Talk about that. Talk about that. And Jesus says, really? He addresses the man who interrupts him. And this is what he says to him. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant. Excuse me, verse 16. Then he told him, a man was giving a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who were invited, come because everything's now ready. But without exception, they all began to make it. So Jesus answers this man with a parable, okay? But without exception, they all begin to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I got to go try them out. Please excuse me. Another one said, I just got married and therefore I'm unable to come. Please excuse me. Listen, Jesus is giving a parable. And he's saying, all these people have excuses. Not only did they have excuses, they had lame excuses. Listen. Listen to what it says. The first one said, I just bought some land. I need to go see it. Who buys land without going to take a look at it first? 
Anybody? Nobody does that. And then he said, one, then, then another excuse is, I got to go, huh, got to go check out these oxen I just bought without looking at them. I, I, it's been a long time since I've been in the oxen market. But I can relate to a car on the lot. You know, I don't just call up somebody and say, hey, that red one down there on the corner, I'm sending you a check. No, what do we do? We go test drive it. We open up the hood. I do. <laughs> I go in there. Let me see under the hood. I ain't got a clue what I'm looking at, y'all. I'm just hoping one day I'll get there and there won't be nothing under the hood. I'm like, I say, that one don't have a motor. They ain't buying that one. I look under the hood. I say, uh-huh. Kick the tires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you know what I want to do? I want to test drive it. Now, if you don't know, the luxury of living, or not living, but having a church here on this property is, this is test drive city. This is a drag strip. If you want to ask me what car not to get, talk to me. Because I'll tell you the ones that people have test driven and went hundreds of miles an hour. Not a hundred, hundreds of miles an hour. I'm telling you, they go by here, woo, 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 test driving, giving it all it's got to check it out, right? Before they buy it. This, these people, they, they bought oxen without ever plowing with them. They bought land without ever looking at the land. These are the excuses. And then the other excuse was, I can't come because... I just got married. You better go. Let me tell you something. If you just got married, you need all the Jesus you can get. <laughs> Be the first one up there. These are lame excuses. Why? Because every excuse to the, inv of, to the invitation is a lame excuse. So the servant came back and he reported these things to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. Master, the servant said, what you ordered has been done and there's still room. Then the master told the servant, go into the highways and the hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those people who were invited will enjoy my banquet. So what? This man, let's go back. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the man who interrupted him, who's trying to change the conversation. Hey, we're all going to heaven. And what's Jesus say? No, we're all invited, but not all are going to heaven. He said, some will make excuses. All is invited, but not all will accept the invitation. Some will be too busy. Some will put it off. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Amen. You never know if tomorrow will come. Now is the time. So Jesus here has called out the people watching. 
the guests that were with him, the host that invited him, the man who interrupts him, and then there was a crowd. See, when you would have a dinner like this, it was often in a courtyard so that people could basically look in and see what was going on. And there was a crowd of people who had begun to follow Jesus. They weren't invited to the table for this dinner at the Pharisee's house, but they were following Jesus because he had done miracles that they'd never seen done. People were getting healed that they never thought would be well. He's saying things that they've never heard, doing things that they've never saw done, and people want to see what is the next thing Jesus is going to do. And this crowd is following him. And you know what? They're cheering him on. Think about it. Here he's sitting at this table and he's called out all these people. And they're thinking, get him, Jesus. Get, get, that man just interrupted Jesus. He's going to nail him. Watch this. Ooh. Say it again, Jesus. Kind of like y'all do when I'm up here preaching. Especially in the nine o'clock service. Now, I got one that'll say, fix it, pastor. Uh, say that, pastor. Uh, talk about it. She says, and, and, that ain't what you normally say. Talk to us. And that's what they're doing. This crowd saying, preach it, Jesus. Get him, Jesus. Ha ha. Woo. Hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> and when he nails that, that man who interrupts him and says, well, no, no, all of us ain't going to heaven. And that crowd begins to cheer him on. He looks at the crowd. Hmm. Now great crowds were traveling with him, so he turned and said to them, last group, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even his own life, if he doesn't hate them, he cannot be my disciple. They look kind of like you are right now. We know that Jesus is not about hate. He's about love. This hate is a term of comparison. What he's saying is, your love has to be so great for me that it's like you hate your children. See, he says the same thing in Matthew. Matthew records it a little differently. And this is how he says it in Matthew. If you don't love me more than your children, love me more than your spouse, love me more than your family, then you are not worthy of me. And then he says this, the man who saves his life will lose his life, but the man who loses his life will save his life. That's the exact same thing right there. Just a little different terminology. And he looks at this crowd because they're cheering him on. They're thinking, man, we got it. They've accepted the invitation, but Jesus takes it further. He says, I don't want you to just accept the invitation. I want you to follow me. And to follow me means you've got to die to yourself. And that everything, every, every, everything comes under me. 
me tell you something right now, and I mean this with my whole heart. And you say, well, how would you, could you really do this? I'm telling you right now, I really absolutely could do this. If my wife told me, choose God or me, I'd choose God. If my mama said, you're no longer my son if you love God, I'll say, well, see you later. My wife said, you got to, don't, she would never put me in that predicament. But if she did, you ever heard that song? I'm going through the big D and don't mean Dallas. <laughs> Hear what the judge had to tell us. She got the keys and I got the palace. Or whatever. That is what would happen. Because I love God more than I love her. And I love her. I love, I love Judah and Abriel, but I love God more than I love them. I love this church, but if somebody comes to me and tried to tell me to tone it down because Andrew Jackson is here, like they told that Cartwright fella, I'm going to tell you right now, if I got to tone it down, I'll tone it right on out to those doors. And I'll find me some people that want to hear the truth. And if that means I got to get me under a tree, I'll preach under a tree. Do you hear what I'm saying? Until some people come. I love God more than I love pleasing you. Because I won't stand before you one day in judgment. I'll stand before God. He says, if you really want to follow me, you got to bear your cross. And whoever comes after me without bearing his own cross, verse 27, cannot be my disciple. Now, you better listen to this because you need to see if you're a disciple or not. You need to really find out today and you can. For which of you wanting to build a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Are you, are you calculating the cost of being a disciple today? If you're born again, great. But there, everyone who is born again is not a follower of Jesus. Two different crowds. Those who accept the invitation, and then he talks to the crowd. Okay, you've accepted the invitation, but now are you going to follow me? And he said, think about it. It's not easy. For which of you wanting to build a tower? Who would go into this thing? Building a tower without sitting down and seeing how much it costs. Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation, next verse, and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king will not sit down first and say, hey, I got this amount of men and they got this amount of men. If not, while the other's still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce and leave all his possessions, he cannot be my disciple. Two important things here. He said, who builds a tower? Please listen to me. Who builds a tower? Building. Then he says, who goes to war? Without counting the cost, bat battling. And I want you to look at me. If you are a child of God, if you want to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, it's going to be 
a life of building and battling. Did you want me to tell you that you're never going to have any problems? That is not the gospel. I don't care who gets up on TV with wild eyes and tells you anything other than that. It is not true, friend. I know more Bible than either they are ignorant and can't comprehend basic eighth grade writing or they don't want to tell you the truth. I think they don't want to tell you the truth. But I'm going to tell you the truth because that's what God says, that if you're going to be a follower for Christ, you're going to build and you're going to battle. You're going to spend a life building the kingdom and you're going to spend a life battling the devil. You say, no, I don't battle. I don't have to battle. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare, now I'm not that smart, but if I've got weapons, it must be because God expects me at one time or the other to enter into a fight. He says, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but are mighty to God in pulling down of strongholds. But hear me, we're not fighting the flesh, for your warfare is not against the flesh, but against the darkness. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and darkness. The rulers of this world. Hear me, if you want to be a disciple, you better count the cost. But it's going to be a cost and it's worth it. Oh my God, it's worth it. Are your children worth it? Do you want your children to live for God? Do you want your, faith, do you want your spouse to live for God? Do you, do you want to make a difference in this world? Do you want people to experience the salvation that you have? They've been rescued from darkness. Do you want others to experience that same thing? Well, it's going to be a life of believing, building, and battling. And he looked at those, that crowd of people. Think about who he was talking to. And he said, I know you like what I do. But if you're really going to follow me, you can go from town to town and watch the show. But if you want to be my follower, not my hype club, not my groupies, but if you want to be my follower, you got to be willing to lay your life down. You've got to be willing to die for the gospel. Boy, doesn't that seem strange to this worldly American gospel that we have now? Doesn't it? Let me ask you. Are you a follower or a fan? That's not original. There was a book, Follower or Fan. I want to ask you, are you a fan of Jesus? Are you a fan of church stuff? Because... Because it gives you an opportunity to have a relationship with people. So you like it. You like to hear me holler at you. What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> it's okay. I'll never let you live that down. But <laughs> Do you like the music? Great, wonderful, but are you a follower? 
of Jesus. Are you willing to lay it all down? If he takes your, if you lose your job, if you lose your family, if everyone turns their back on you, would you still hold on to Christ? Could you be like Job who said he gives and he takes away? But blessed be the name of the Lord. Or are you a Christian of convenience? Oh, there are many. You see, in my effort to build the church and in, God, in Christ's effort to establish the church, he dwindled the crowd. Oh, that's biblical. Oh, it'll flip. It'll turn around eventually because the church will make disciples. But when Jesus went to the cross... There were few that followed him. His mama and a couple others. Peter turned his back on him and denied him. And that crowd, when he talked to that crowd at that table, if it wasn't then, it'd be later on. The Bible says that they begin, the crowds begin to thin out. And in the effort to tell you the truth and build the church, no doubt, it'll be hard to have a crowd. Somebody said something the other day, it kind of struck me as it kind of put a fire under me. Keep on preaching Jesus. Because it don't go out of style. And that's what I'm going to do. I want to ask you, are you ready to forsake all if you had to? See, let me back up. It's not if you have to. The mindset already has to be there that I am. I will, I have, try me and see if I don't. Come at me and see if I won't. I have nothing in this world to lose. I have everything to gain. Stand with me all across the building. Malachi, if you'll come. Okay. I want to be like Jesus, Josh. 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 <laughs> I want to be like Jesus. So, when I was studying this, 
I wasn't studying to preach it. I was just in study. So I had to deal with this. Because these five groups of people, I see, I could see myself in each group. So I'm asking you this, this morning. You know, I'm having a hard time finding my words here. Because this is the last time I'll see you until most of you until Wednesday or next weekend. But I don't know what will happen to me tomorrow or this afternoon. I want to live like that too, and I am living like that. You don't know what's going to happen to you. So I'm trying to articulate my words as if this was the last thing I would say to you. Yeah. For me, it's that waiting. So here, here I go. If you need to repent of anything, repent. If you are not living for God, live for God. Make a choice. Now, repentance is not saying you're not saved. In the last three months, I've repented more than I have my whole life. And you know what? This word has become so fresh and real to me. I don't want you to just go through the motions because you'll fall by the wayside. You let COVID come, it'll knock you to the Knock you off to the side. You let any issue come that's not convenient. If you're half, if you're half in it, you know what that means, don't you? If you're half in your walk with Christ, you might as well quit. Because that won't cut it. You got to give Him your all. Every week, guys, I got a list of terrible things that happen to good people. in this church I get calls this happened this happened this is going on and you won't make it through those things if you are not rooted and grounded in Christ It's not enough to be invited. You've got to accept the invitation and then you've got to follow him.
every head bowed and every eye closed. This is a time of reflection now. I want to ask you right now, first, I want to ask you, have you accepted the invitation? If you're not saved right now and you want to get saved, I want you to raise your hand right now. Right now, if you want to get saved today, you're not saved, raise it real quick. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Lift it high. One hand's been raised. Lift it again. Lift it again. I want to make sure. Amen. If you raise your hand, step down here real quick. Real quick. If you raise your hand, come on. Amen. Amen. Turn around and face me. Anybody else? Anybody else? What's your name? Logan. I'm proud of you today. No man can get saved unless God drawing. So today, if you want to get saved, that's what we're fixing to do. Anybody else? Anybody else? You get saved by faith. You got to believe that Jesus died for you and he rose again. He died for you, taking away all your sin. If you believe that, then you are saved. Okay? You got to see yourself as a sinner right now. Lift your hands this way. I want you to repeat after me. And everybody repeat it with me. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died for me. And you rose again for me. I place my faith and my trust in you I give you my life all that I am I receive your grace and your mercy and your love I turn away from the things of this world I turn away from sin to live for you and today by faith I am saved in Jesus name Amen. Come on. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.